Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Tuesday, September 8th. We're entering week one. It's officially game week, and it's time to meet our first opponent of the 2020 NFL season, the Detroit Lions. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined with my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. The two of us, we have two separate interviews to share with you today. Our first one's going to be from Matt Derry, the host of Locked On Lions. But Nick, before we go ahead and get to that interview, just wanted to catch up with you. Are you excited? It's game week. I mean, we talked about it on Sunday. It felt like things were starting to get a little bit more official. But as of right now, we're just five days away from our first post-game show of the season. And I don't know, man, getting a little excited. Yeah, I know. Actually, just talking about it, my heart started to race a little bit, which is, I don't know, weird. But, yeah, I am really excited for Bears football to be back. Obviously, we'll have Chiefs-Texans on Thursday night. That should be an interesting one for Bears fans as well. But, yeah, it's we're here. We're here, Will, and we're doing this, breaking down. You know, we'll be breaking down our first opponent in just a couple short days and then the postgame show. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Me too. And speaking of excitement, things are getting a little bit more official Yesterday, uh, Monday, was a little unofficial. The Bears leaking their first unofficial depth chart. Today, we're getting some confirmations of some of the items that were on there. One that uh, got me excited was Jalen Johnson starting at outside corner. This is something that I've talked about almost all offseason, that if you're going to draft a Jalen Johnson, he needs to be that replacement. He needed to win that cornerback battle, and he needed to start. And I know there's some speculation, maybe he doesn't start, maybe you move Buster Screen to the outside, and you kind of have to groom him. But the fact he's ready to rock and roll, he's starting week one. To me, I mean, I think listeners know just how much I've been adamant he needed to do this. Just gets me uh, just that more ready for this Sunday, and I'm excited to see what he can do. And he has a big test. Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, this Detroit Lions passing attack. But I think it's a challenge that he's up to. Any big takeaways you want to hit on? 
Yeah, I think since you mentioned Jalen Johnson, we'll talk about the wide receivers and where they have Darnell Mooney ahead of a Riley Ridley. I mean, we've only heard great things from Mooney in this training camp. And Riley Ridley, we, we did hear some good things, but it is interesting to see that they, Mooney right now is ahead of him on this depth chart. So it's like a good thing, a bad thing, but that was interesting to see. But really, when you go back to that Jalen Johnson, it's like he's the one that just lasted the longest, right? You had Trey Roberson <laughs> go down. You had Artie Burns, and then they wave uh, Kevin Tolliver. Jalen Johnson was the last man standing, so good for him. I think that's the best outcome for this Bears defense in that starting cornerback position. It surely is. And one other piece of news that just kind of trickled out that you noticed, kicker Eddie Pinero is going to start the season on injured reserve. He's going in on IR, which I believe he has to sit on that for about three weeks, and then the Bears can elevate him again. Uh, as of right now, they haven't really assigned a kicker, right? They didn't. Did they sign Santos to the practice squad? I don't recall. You know, I think that's the move that I saw. I think one of the Bears reporters did say that Cairo Santos would should be elevated to the active roster. And, yeah, I, I mean, maybe we can talk about this really quickly. Like, we were – kind of speculating then you hit on it last week kind of clarifying like i thought okay this is good eddie pinero is going to make it but then you you kind of reassured fans like maybe he does go in ir and you were right about that will but what's the confidence now it's cairo santos most likely going to be the kicker for the bears it's indoors no fans i think i feel a little bit better but it's still it's still cairo santos right yeah no you're right i mean luckily it's indoors no fans in terms of people. Maybe there are fans circulating air, uh, which we that may <laughs> play into the factor here of a kicking game, Nick. But in all seriousness, confidence level is below a three. I don't. I it's. I have like I said in the previous episodes. When it comes to Santos, I just get really negative feelings and memories that kind of come back, and I'm sure he's better than what we saw before, but. I don't know. It's And I, I feel very skeptical about Eddie Pinero's long-term viability at this position as well. So nothing like a flux at kicker after a whole year and a half almost of two years of trying to, quote, get the position right. And here we are yet again, week one, signing a kicker, putting a kicker on a practice squad, putting a kicker on IR, elevating another kicker from the practice squad. So it's a lot of flux for a position that I just wish we can just have consistency for once, ever since Robbie Gold, at least. Yeah, it's still going to be an ongoing thing, but we'll see how it goes come Sunday at Detroit. For sure. But Nick, you ready to go ahead and start meeting the Detroit Lions here and bring on Matt Derry, the host of Lockdown Lions, to give us his insight of the Lions, both offense and defense, and just the overall strengths, weaknesses, and other items that we should be paying attention to this week? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Well, Nicholas and myself, we're sitting here. We're joined by Matt Derry here. He is the host of the Locked On Lions podcast. Matt, we're very excited to have you on to lean on your expertise a little bit as we're kicking off our Meet the Opponent episode here, our first one of the season. Before we kind of dive in, just curious, how have you been? How you doing? And did you have a good Labor Day weekend? I did, fellas. Great to be with you guys. Uh, so far, all so good. You know, first day of school, it's pouring rain here in Detroit. So it uh, doesn't get any better than this. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely understand. And Matt, as we kind of kick things off here, I just want to take a temperature check, actually, of head coach Matt Patricia. Obviously, last season, things didn't go according to plan. I know you lose Matt Stafford for a good chunk of the year. That's not going to help things, but I know expectations for him were raised a year ago. Didn't live up to those expectations. Made a lot of moves on both sides of the ball this offseason. 
entering this 2020 year, what's that hot seat looking like? Is it hot? Is it warm? Is it just somewhere in the middle? What's your thought on Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia entering 2020? Uh, that's a good question, Will. I, I think right now, you know, the, the realistic situation here in Detroit is that the team is better. Uh, you've got year five of the general manager, year three of the coach. So it's, it is time to win and it's time to get better and it's time to go out and, and prove that you do have a good football team and that all these excuses that have been used over the last couple of years, we didn't have our guys in here. Stafford got hurt are all gone. And that Patricia, who was brought in to obviously get the defense rolling, can get the defense just somewhat functional. I mean, last year, 31st out of 32 teams is unacceptable when you, you hired him to, to obviously get that side of the ball going first and foremost. Um, is the seat hot? I mean, ownership really likes him. It's the first year of the new owner, uh, Sheila Ford Hamp, taking over for her mom. I don't know if necessarily if they go 5 and 11, 6 and 10 and struggle again, if those guys, Quinn and Patricia, who remember are under contract for multiple years after this, mm -hmm. are going to just be blown out. I'm not 100% sure on that. Now, we look at another three-win season, four-win season, uh, players getting angry. Uh, once fans are in the stands late in the season, there's boo birds. Then, then we could talk about it. But I think the expectations here are, are rather high. And – uh, it's expected that Patricia's sort of turned a corner personality-wise. The guys all like him, and they're going to respond. And you know what, Matt? You, you brought up that defense. I'm just curious. Obviously, it hasn't, I think, met the expectations Lions fans were expecting when Matt Patricia was hired. But at this point in time, what is the identity of this defense? What is the strength of that unit right now? Uh, I don't know how much time you have, Nick, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, identity, you know, it's funny. You look around the league, you look around the division, you go, okay, the Packers' identity is Aaron Rodgers and this high-flying passing game and, and Aaron Jones. Obviously, the Vikings have just been so tough, and they, they just beat you up, and they get to the quarterback. The Bears, when Khalil Mack's rolling, you guys know, you know, sort of the monsters of the midway thing. I don't think anybody's saying the Bears' identity is its passing game. But what is the Lions' identity? Uh it used to be Stafford would chuck the ball 50 times a game and they would come back and win in 41-38. They wanted to be ground and pound and then a tough defense and this blue-collar blue collar lunch pail situation. I'm not so sure. As far as identity, the defense, they couldn't get home last year. They couldn't get to the quarterback. You guys saw the two games against uh, Mitch and the Bears. I mean, Trubisky looked like uh, you know, Jim McMahon in 85. So <laughs> I, I don't necessarily know what the identity of this defense is. They're hoping that the secondary is, is greatly improved and that they're really going to shut down the pass with a first round pick in Okuda, Tracy Walker really coming on. They love Deron Harmon at the other safety spot. But I, to, to answer your question, Nick, I, I don't know right now, to, 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 to be honest. And that's fair. And that's I'm honestly, Matt, you have a tough one here because we don't have games to really extrapolate any information from. And I don't know about your access level, but we didn't get too much here from the Bears side. So we're really just waiting to see what this team looks like come a Sunday afternoon here. But you mentioned that Lions secondary, uh, Jeff Okuda especially. Do you expect him to play on Sunday? Everything I'm looking and seeing, it doesn't seem like it. The Bears just announced <laughs> our second round cornerback. Jalen Johnson, he'll be starting. I know Akuda was drafted third overall. Do we expect to see him a lot on Sunday? 
Uh, again, you got to remember that that Patricia and Quinn are from the Patriots school of things. So it's going to be very tight-lipped on whether Adrian Peterson plays and how much Okuda is going to play. Um, the Lions' uh, first depth chart came out today. Now, again, the communications department's putting this out, not the coaches. And they've got Amani Oruarie, uh, Desmond Trufant, and Justin Coleman all ahead of Okuda. Now, the Lions play three cornerbacks most of the time. Coleman's a slot guy. Um, the fact that you have a number one pick, but third overall, we're not talking about 20th, we're not talking about 19th, 15th. I mean, number three might not be on the field at the start of the game. Me, personally, I don't like it. I don't think it's acceptable. To me, you draft a guy three, he's got to play. But again, with COVID, with no OTAs, with no mini camps, without even a real training camp or preseason, I get it. I get it. But he better be out there soon. Um, he has to be because Desmond Trufant's a nice piece, but he's not Darius Slay. Amanio Ruarie is a fifth-round pick from two years ago who, quite honestly, nobody knows. Uh, he's shown some flashes, and he's played pretty well when he's been given the opportunity. But Okuda's supposed to be the real deal. And drafted third for a reason. Heck, their number 35 overall pick, the third pick in the second round, DeAndre Swift, right now is listed behind Adrian Peterson and Carrion Johnson. And I know Swift can be used a, a, in a different way than those two guys. But to me, you know, Okuda's got to be out there. Whether he's out there in week one, I don't know. I think they want to keep that a very, very big secret. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And you're thinking a lot like myself because we had Jalen Johnson. We drafted him 50th overall, and he's someone we have to replace with Prince Mukamara. And I was just like with you, Mike, if you draft someone that high, you got to go and hope that he can step in and take that starting job. And for you to have a top five pick, and we're not even <laughs> knowing if he's going right. to play or not, such a not a red flag yet. But I think as a Lions fan, someone covering the team, that would be something that I would be at least somewhat concerned about. Well, remember this. Well, last year they drafted TJ Hawkinson eighth. And other than the first game against Arizona when he looked like Kellen Winslow, after that, Winslow Sr., by the way, uh, after that, <laughs> it was a disaster. He got hurt, but he wasn't effective. He dropped a big touchdown pass against the Chiefs, and he wasn't the eighth overall pick. He didn't look like it. So now you're looking at back-to-back -to -back top ten picks for Bob Quinn. And you're hopeful that this year Hawkinson takes a big step. They're expecting him to. I think the offense is going to be good. And then with Okuda, like you said, right now he's behind a fifth rounder from the year before. So, yeah, that's – but we're used to that here. You know, Eric Ebron was a top ten pick. How did that turn out? So, again, nothing surprises Lions fans. <laughs> nothing, yeah. Uh, Matt, just kind of sticking with this defense, you kind of mentioned that pass rush or really lack of a pass rush for the Lions – do you just believe in 2020, will it get better? What, do, do the Lions have the personnel to maybe apply more pass rush this season as opposed to years past? Um, I think it's going to be more about scheme than personnel. Last year, poor Trey Flowers, and he's making $18 million a year. I mention this every day on my show. You got to do better than seven and a half sacks or whatever it was. It was right around there. He didn't impact the game the way the money said he was going to. Now, again, the Lions had familiarity with them with New England. They love getting expatriates in. They overpaid for him, but they needed him with Ziggy Ansa gone. And they just spent way too much time rushing three, dropping eight, and not getting to the quarterback. They were in all of these games. Maybe one sack in a key third down spot 
in Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers, at Ford Field against Mahomes, in the game, the first game in Chicago against Trubisky where he lit him up, but just touching the quarterback would be nice. Um, they just don't get home. A lot of it is scheme. I hope under now new defensive coordinator Corey Unlin, who's still getting his marching duties from Patricia, that they can send more people. If you drafted Jamie, or not drafted, if you signed Jamie Collins, let's let him rush from the edge. Julian O'Quara is a highly decorated third-round pick. Put him on the edge and let him go. This rush three, drop eight stuff. Now, if Deshaun Hand is healthy, which he wasn't last year, I think that'll help. Um, like we talked about, uh, the, the, the additions of some of the guys they brought in, we'll see. But I think they're going to need to get home from rushing linebackers, whether it's O'Quara, whether it's Collins. Jared Davis is not a middle linebacker. He's not played well there. Maybe move him to the edge, let him run, and hopefully get home that way. Matt, do you have a biggest concern on defense? It seems like you have them all, you know, all three levels schematically. Uh, is it the lack of the pass rush? Is it just yeah. their overall game plan? Uh, just curious what your biggest concern may be there. Well, I, I've never liked their linebacker play. I think it's a little bit better uh, this year. I, I think the Jamie Collins addition was something they they desperately needed. Uh, you know, I don't know what's what they're going to do in the middle, whether it's going to be Davis, whether it's going to be Tavai. <clears throat> the pass rush needs work for sure. I think the secondary is going to be really much better, actually. And, and that's even with losing Darius Slay. Uh, I think Deron Harmon is a leader. I like him. Uh, I think Tracy Walker could be really good now that he's had a couple years under his belt. Um, and you're hopeful that Okuda makes him better. So there's depth there that I like. Um, but I am concerned about, about how they're going to get to the quarterback still. Matt, just kind yes. of maybe to transition offensively where, you know, there is hope for the Lions. There's definitely a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball. When Matthew Stafford was healthy for those eight games, what would you say was working for him and just that offense in general for the Lions? When given time, uh, Stafford's as good as anybody. He's really, the last couple years before the injury, looks like he's taken that next step to becoming a, a really, really solid, uh, and, a, and, a, and not elite, I'm not ready to go there yet, but a, a top-tier guy. And then the injuries hit. The team was ill-prepared last year. The, the backup quarterback situation was a complete bleep show from training camp on. They tried so many different guys. Ended up with Jeff Driscoll and then David Blau, and it was a disaster. Now they've got Chase Daniel, who you guys know, uh, who can win games as a backup. I'm not ready to say he's going to push Stafford. He's not. Uh, but, no, the <laughs> offense is good. I, You know, Kenny Galladay's really, really good, really good. Then you throw Marvin Jones in there, who's a touchdown machine. The receiving core is stacked. I want you guys to watch for Jamal Agnew this weekend. They're moving him from cornerback to receiver. He's going to be a gadget guy that's going to cause the Bears defense to look around. Like, when's Agnew in motion? Where is he going? Then you throw Swift in the mix. If he and Carrion are kind of in the passing game doing some things. Adrian Peterson is, is not, a, not a bad signing. He's had big games against the Bears. And a mm -hmm. tight end, Hawkinson, should be good. So, they're, they're, they're going to be solid. You know, they feel good about left tackle. Taylor Decker gave him an extension. Ragnow is a very good center. Right side of the line's a concern with a rookie in Jackson. And then to, uh, uh, Big V Vitae at right tackle, Don't not sure on him yet. But they feel like they can run, they can throw, and they're going to put up some points. The issue is, can they be on the field? Their defense has to get off the field for them to get on. 
Right. And you hit on almost every talking point I had. So we'll dive in just a little bit deeper here. You talked about Stafford. You talked about the injuries heading into 2020. Seems like he's healthy. Personally, do you have any concern about his injuries heading into this season and just his overall health and perspective? It seems like everyone's pretty gung-ho that it'll be the same old Matthew Stafford that we've seen when healthy, like you're mentioning. Yeah, I mean, he's in great shape. Uh, those, those, that back injury, he says, was fluky for two years. Uh, and he's ready to go. I, I don't have any concerns about him. Uh, like I said, I mean, really the only concern I have is the right side of the offensive line. I, I think that I like that they've gone younger uh, with Jackson. Some of the backups are younger guys. Um, and I think, like I said, the way Daryl Bevel was calling the games last year, there was some creativity, some guys in motion. Uh, there was some different looks. I think Agnew is going to be good. Uh, you know, Marvin Hall is your fourth receiver is a guy that can get deep. Amendola on a third and six will get you seven. So they've, 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 they've got all those parts there, and I think Galladay's a budding star. So, you know, everybody's excited to see what the offense looks like, for sure. Stafford, healthy, seems to be good and seems to be raring to go. And you know what, Matt, just, uh, again, talking about that offense, those wide receivers um, – Galladay and then Marvin Jones. I actually have Jones on my fantasy team. I'm going to ask you if I should start him this week. Um, but our first, they, re- our first fantasy team reference of the show. You can yeah, absolutely. Anything. That's good. That's good. Um, just they they do very well in a specific area with contested catches. Number I think number three, number four, respectively, finishing in the top five. That kind of play where they have to use their big body to make those type of catches. Do you think that's sustainable throughout a season? Because Matthew Stafford clearly trusts those guys. They make a lot of those catches. But is that kind of play sustainable, do you think? Um, you know, Stafford's one that takes some chances. I, I, I hate when people compare him to Brett Favre. I'm not sure that's there. But, you know, Galladay's not a burner. Neither is Marvin. So they have to kind of, in traffic, make those plays. And I think Stafford and, and those receivers have a really, really good synergy based off of the work that they put in. They put in a lot of work together off seasons. Where You know, guys were down in Georgia and Atlanta. Uh, when they could work out in Allen Park here in Michigan to 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 get on the same page with him. So yeah, that's that's how they do business. Um, I think the biggest thing now is with the addition of Peterson and what what else they're kind of going with offensively with all these running backs, Carry on Johnson, DeAndre Swift, Ty Johnson. They want to run the football and they'll tell you they want to, but I'm telling you, Stafford is going to get into some games this year where he's going to say, you know, F it, we're throwing it. And because he's can he can because he can, and their pass protection's usually been pretty good. The issues has been the run blocking. So um, I know they say one thing, and, and they want to talk about establishing the ground game, but with Stafford, with these receivers, and again, Marvin Jones last year of his deal, uh, Galladay they have not signed yet to a long term deal. I think they will, but not saying that uh, this is the end of the road. But you know, for guys like this, like Marvin Jones, I'm sure he's anticipating that. He doesn't have a big season. He won't be back next year. Now, you talked about the running backs, and it's an interesting bunch. Like you said, there's a, just a ton of them back there. I'm sure you don't really have a clue how they want to divvy up the touches <laughs> and anything of that nature. And you mentioned the Lions do say they want to establish the run. The Bears' defense over the last two seasons, though, they've been really good at stopping the run. Do you expect them to just run it down to Bears' throats in terms of even if it's not working, attempting it or just ditching it and perhaps having Stafford, you know, step back and just sling it on Sunday? I'm just curious of what kind of identity perhaps we'll see on Sunday for better or for worse. 
Well, if I first of all, if I'm the Bears, I'm lining Khalil Mack up on that left side and going after Vitae. That's an unknown commodity uh, so far. You know, the Lions let Rick Wagner go. He did not have a good year last year. Uh, more of a pass blocker first than run blocker. And they bring in Vitae from the Eagles, who was a spot starter, and they gave him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they want to run the foot. You got to want to run the football against the Bears because you want to keep Khalil Mack back. You don't. If it's third and nine, third and ten, and you're in those spots, uh, then Mac's going to pin his earbacks and go, and he's as good as anybody in getting to the quarterback. So, yeah, I think the you know last year with the Lions, even when they were successful in first halves of games, throwing it for some odd reason, they would come out in the third quarter and try to establish the run, and I think they're going to hopefully get away from that. I mean, you're right, whatever's working, that's what they should be going with, um, and I think that they. Again, they, they, they want so badly to keep that defense off the field that running the football will do that and, and chew up some clock. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I don't know where this thing's going to go in terms of the running game right off the bat. Would it surprise me if number 28 is out there for the first play and they hand him the ball? Adrian Peterson, it wouldn't. But remember, they spent a sec- they moved up in the second round and trade for carry-on a few years ago. Spent a, the third pick in the second round this year for DeAndre Swift. These guys have to play. The issue is how, how's it going to work? How's it going to work? That makes sense, man. I, I guess just, you know, adding on to that, it seems like there's maybe there could be like a philosophical, I guess, um, difference in what maybe Matt Patricia wants to do, but what's best for the team. I think Stafford throwing the football. Do you envision down the road, maybe this kind of, it, it rears its ugly head because Patricia wants to establish the run. Like you were mentioning, did that a little bit in the third quarter. But I think the best option for this team, given those receivers, they're passing the ball. They're moving downfield in big chunks. How, do you see that being a problem? Do you envision something like that being an issue with Detroit as this season kind of goes on, unless they do establish a running game? I mean, anything's possible here based off of the history. You know, one playoff win in 60-plus years. I mean, so controversy. The Lions have done everything they can over the last year, in my opinion, to make Matt Patricia look a lot better than he's looked. He is a good person. He is a good guy. But that was those first two years, the amount of players that he ticked off, the amount of stories that came out about, you know, whether it was Darius Slay, Quandre Diggs, Snacks Harrison, Ebron, any of these guys bitching publicly about how they were treated by Patricia, uh, the infamous 2018 training camp that went completely south and the team stunk. Um, when Patricia kind of came in and said, I'm in charge, this is no longer Caldwell's show, you guys love Jim, but he's gone, and I'm in here, and, and it just turned – it was not a good scene. So now, over the last year, Patricia's been very amicable, very likable, doing all these mic'd-up segments and interviews. He's been great. So – and they seem to have the team around him where they're going to avoid any type, kind of controversy. If Stafford's at the line of scrimmage and wants to change a play, he's going to. Been there long enough now, 12 years, that, that I think he's got that carte blanche. So I think they want to run, but I also think Stafford, in the end – will, you know, make the call on certain things if need be. And I don't think the coaches, the coaching staff will have an issue with that. Really good point there, Matt. A couple more questions for you, then I'll let you go. Uh, one of them I have here is, are there any other names? You mentioned an Agnew, which I circled, starred, and underlined in my notepad. So I'll be doing some homework on that and catching up and keeping my eyes out on Sunday. But are there maybe some other names that Bears fans may not be all too familiar with that we haven't discussed yet that we should be paying attention to on Sunday? 
Uh, like I said, I mean, I think that they really feel good about the receiving core that they have. Um, and they're going to try to spread the, the ball around as much as possible. Quintez Cephas, the, the fifth receiver, fifth rounder from Wisconsin, they like him too. Same type of guy. Go up and, 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 and make a play in, in traffic, not a, a blazing runner. Um, you know, you look at defensively, I'm hopeful that number 99, Julian O'Quara, is that missing link piece, whatever third round pick that gets out there and gets a sack or two on Sunday, uh, that they can pin him, pin his ear back, uh, his ears back and let him go. His brother plays on the team. He was non-existent last year. Good two years ago, non-existent last year. Uh, Nick Williams, you guys are familiar with, is going to have to play a decent sized role for this team. Um, when he's not on Twitter questioning Joe Biden, uh, I, I think <laughs> Nick Williams, Nick Williams may be a, a, a plugger in the middle that, that, that might be able – now, they got nothing the last two years from defensive tackles getting to the quarterback. Williams and Deshaun Hand are going to be key. So, And Hand didn't really play much last year. He was hurt. So th- those are just some names of guys that I hope will, will step up. I'm sure Oruwarie will play early, and Bears fans will be like, wait a minute, didn't they draft a, a guy at number three overall? Who's this guy? So he'll play. So that could be another name to, to look out for for sure. Appreciate that. Uh, my last question, it's a two-parter. It's how I end every segment for our Meet the Opponent episodes. And the first one is, uh, it could be an easy one for you. It could be a difficult one, depending on your perspective. But why will the Lions win on Sunday? Uh, yeah, I know you have well, some water in your mouth there, all, too. First of all, they're <laughs> due to beat the Bears. I mean, <laughs> let's let's be honest. The last couple of years has not been good. Uh, even going back to Chase Daniel beating them, I think it was Thanksgiving two years ago. I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I think the Lions are due. Um, they're going to be at home. I know there's no crowd, but I think that Detroit's a better football team. Actually, I I don't. I'm not sitting here telling you they're going to win the division. The Bears don't wow me enough, especially with their running game. The Lions last year facing really good running backs had major issues. Um, I, I suspect that they've learned their lesson from how they handled Trubisky last year. Uh, and I think that uh, I think they'll 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 win Sunday. All right. Uh, the inverse of this question, of course, is what's going to take for the Lions to lose and for the Bears to end up winning? I, I think Chicago, if they harass Stafford, if it's like I said, if that right side of the line, if you're starting Jonah Jackson, rookie at right guard, and Vitai, unproven at right tackle, and the Bears line up over there and 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 cause havoc and cause second and longs, and uh, and and their defense flies around. You know, I love Eddie Jackson. I don't know about you guys. I'm sure you love him too. I mean, that dude. Oh yeah. You put him on the Lions. That's he's the kind of fly around the football guy that I, I think the Lions really need. Um, he's just a really good football player. So turnovers. You know, the Lions not not having that crowd might might hurt them a little bit. Um, but I think if the Bears can get to Stafford and turn this thing into, like I said, second and third and longs, I think Chicago has a chance. Absolutely. All right. Well, Matt, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Really awesome stuff. Appreciate the insight as well. And again, uh, Matt Derry, if you want to catch up on any of his stuff throughout the week, uh, check out his Locked On Lions podcast as you're continuing listening, getting ready for Bears Lions this Sunday afternoon. But Matt, thank you so much again for your time. And again, that perspective. All right, fellas. Great to be with you. Thanks, Matt.
You know, that was some really good stuff there, my bad. I thought, you know, he hit it pretty well. He didn't get too high in the lines, but he also does expect some progress on both sides of the ball for them. But he's also very skeptical on some of those items like their pass rush, linebacker play, that right side of the offensive line, which are all areas that, you know, I'm looking at as perhaps weaknesses of this team as well. But is there anything from Matt's insight that you wanted to make sure to kind of re-hit on or just any big takeaways you want to make sure our listeners caught? You know, I don't know if it's really big takeaways, but I think Matt's concerns about the Lions pass rush or even how they kind of philosophically go approach a defensive uh, scheme, really just rushing three and dropping back a bunch of guys. I don't know, just given the past games between Detroit and Chicago, if that's going to work. So I think a lot is riding on how Matt Patricia can maybe elevate these guys as personnel. But, you know, Matt also said it's more of a scheme thing for for Detroit to maybe have some success on defense. So we'll have to see how that plays out on Sunday. But not a really big takeaway, but I, I think I'm liking the Bears' chances offensively against a Detroit team that's still kind of, you know, working things out. Was it fair, his analysis of TJ Hawkinson? I know you have a little bit of an affection towards him being an Iowa guy, but he did not He did seem very disappointed in his rookie season. Yeah, I know. When he started talking about it, I was like, wait, wait, TJ Hawkinson. He, there, I think there's more to TJ Hawkinson's game. And I, if there's one guy that I'll root for on that Detroit Lions roster, it is TJ Hawkinson. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see with him. Starting week two. Starting week two, maybe he, I mean he could have a good game and the Bears win. I mean that also works, but he's not on my fantasy team, so I really don't care. Okay, I just had to make sure I would prefer him not to have a good game because if he does, that could bode bad for the Bears, and I don't want to take any chances because if he's having a good game, that means a safety like a Gibson who's starting by the way over Deion Bush or a Trevathan or Roquan Smith is probably not holding up their end of the bargain in terms of coverage on the tight end. So that's why maybe I would. Not hope he has a good game, Nick. But I understand he went to your school, so you get a slight pass. But I'm excited here, Nick, because this is a double header episode. We're going back to back interviews, getting a couple of different perspectives on the Detroit Lions. You know, Matt Derry, host of the Lockdown Lions, he does a lot of radio in Detroit as well, and it's really good to get his insight. And up next, we're going to bring on Chris Perfett. He hosts the Pride of Detroit podcast. That's the SB Nation podcast. So this is more of the fan perspective, which is very valuable to gain as well. But are you ready to bring on Chris and kind of discuss with him the same overall talking points that we had with Matt, but now we're just going to get a different vantage point? Yes, let's do it, Chris. I think should bring an interesting perspective, and yeah, let's go. All right, we're sitting here. We have Chris Perfett on. He hosts the Pride of Detroit podcast, Respe Nation. And Chris, Nick, and I were glad to have you on. Uh, you're just telling us it pretty much feels like it's uh, straight up hell where you're living out there in LA. Over 100, and you said 20 degrees yesterday. Yeah, I, I so I live in the San Fernando Valley, not far from Woodland Hills, where that was kind of the peak of the heat wave. It was 120 and I work primarily overnight shifts for my other job and like super early morning shifts. So once I got off, I had to figure out a way how to sleep through that. And I also have a cat who I have spoiled since moving up here in that, hey, we have a daily ritual. I come in, I feed you, I open up the door of the balcony, you go outside, you sun yourself a bit, you come in. Uh, that ritual has been completely disrupted, which means he's taking it out on me, which means I have to deal with that. I, so I have to deal with one angry cat plus a bunch of other angry cats in the form of the Detroit Lions. It's my, my life. My life uh, 
is I I I, I, lead, I lead the life of a of a very depressive bachelor. So you know, it's in in Los Angeles. Go figure. So you know, it's just heat, myself, and loathing. <laughs> well. After this podcast, hopefully it gets a little bit better for you, but you kind of stole my segue from your cat to the cats that the Bears are playing here on Sunday. Just wanted to know here, just your thoughts of uh, Matt Patricia entering the season, whether just taking a temperature check of just his seat in general, is it a hot seat? I know it was very poor last year in terms of the Detroit's overall output for the season, and uh, it's just patient. Is it running thin with fans and perhaps ownership? I think it's running thin with fans where it stands with ownership right now is going to be a really interesting subject, to be honest. I'm, I'm still trying to do the calculus in my head, as I like to say right now, because before I, I think before 2020 or like near the start of 2020, what we had from the Ford family as Martha Firestone Ford passed it along to her daughter, to her daughter, Sheila Ford Hamp that there was this idea that I know there was a quote that went around from that is that they expected the Lions to be contending for a playoff in 2020. And what that meant for the Kremlinology was looking at Matt Patricia, who came in and has now thrown away, uh, you know, multiple winning seasons and a winning record from previous coach Jim Caldwell. That kind of read in the Kremlinology as it's it's Super Bowl or your job. I mean, it's not Super Bowl. It's playoffs or your job right now, Matt. Like, you know, we brought you in as this defensive guru. Uh, you know, we Bob Quinn's been here. The general manager's been here a w- little while longer. And listen, I know there's some Lions fans out there who are angry at the Ford family, as they always are. But you did everything right in the advisory group that like you hired, you hired who the the people who were the best in the room told you to hire in these two guys. And it just hasn't worked out. However, I think that the nature of COVID-19, what we've been doing for this year and how things have changed uh, and how things have kind of changed the landscape, it might put a hamper on that plan. It might, it might really put a hamper on that plan because you don't want to like, it, 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 this is going to be a weird season. We don't even have a guarantee this is going to be a completely full season played. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything that like that happened in baseball is going to happen in the NFL. I think that the last couple of months we've seen testing vastly improved. We've seen more resources out there. The story with the Seahawks <laughs> just shows you how seriously they're taking, aside from being funny, that a guy tries to sneak in a woman dressed as a Seahawks player into the hotel, but it show it's illustrative of how serious they're taking it versus say Derek Jeter's quote about the Miami Marlins. Like, Hey, these guys were going out just for meals and stuff like, no, they're taking it very seriously. So, but either way, there's not, the point is there's not a lot of guarantees going into this season. And I think some of that will come back around and might, unless Patricia and Quinn really bomb out this season, unless they're starting like, I don't know, 0 and 4, 0 and 6, which by the way could happen. There's, I, I think they will, uh, if they can get to the finish line around 500, I think to the chagrin of a lot of Lions fans, their, their butts, their bacon might be saved for another season. However, no guarantees. Sure. No, absolutely. Speaking of no guarantees, can you help me make heads or tails out of that Lions like backfield? I know last season they had a really hard time establishing the run. He spent two draft picks, one on DeAndre Swift, another one on Jason Huntley, who's now an Eagle after being released uh, before your final roster there in Detroit. 
But on top of that, Adrian Peterson's coming in, and he's been a bear killer. I'm just trying to figure out what to expect out of this running back group next week, and it's already getting me kind of confused. Are you in the same boat, or can you help me figure it out? Very much so, considering, again, that like you, you even left out the part where I believe Carrion Johnson mm-hmm, was their yeah. second-round draft pick from, I believe, uh, 2018. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just looking up just to make sure. But ESPN, for some reason, every time I hit uh, carry on Johnson is kicking me over to Kenny Galladay's page. Like this is <laughs> I, 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 I'm dead serious. No, no, no. I'm clicking on ESPN carry on Johnson. It keeps sending me to Kenny Galladay. Their URL is wrong. This is fantastic. Fantastic work from the worldwide leader in sports. Uh, no, I I think it's desperation at this point. It the Lions stink of flop sweat on this whole idea that they're going to establish the run game, which I will never figure out as a min maximalist in that, like you have Matthew Stafford who when healthy, I believe is one of, he, he's at least in the top 10 of, of quarterbacks in this league, like at least in the top 10, I would say even higher, maybe just outside the top five people overlook him. There's some stats that uh, I, I, I love to argue all the time when it comes to Stafford and it, the, the guy is vastly underrated. If he, had, if he had a Dallas Cowboys star on his helmet rather than a Honolulu blue jersey, people would be talking in these ways about Stafford. So that's your strength of your offense. But they want to make this run game work, even though like you, you want to go up to Patricia's time. It's like, dude, it's been three years now. Every time you hand off the ball, it feels like you're just wasting a damn down where you could be giving Stafford the ball. But they want to invest in it. It makes offense, it makes defenses more honest. Uh, I think they've got something special in DeAndre Swift. However, he's a rookie, so we have to wait and see. I'm curious. The Adrian Peterson signing has done two things. One, it has made us once again relitigate whether we call him AP or AD. And we once again fight against the coming darkness of, you know, nicknames being dead and everyone referring to people instead by initials rather than actual cool nicknames. And I get it. There's other famous ADs now. I don't give a damn. He's AD. Let's, I'm, but I'm not going, I'm also not going to be the old man yelling at the clouds here. On the other hand, uh, I, I don't like it. He was available. You got the Lions got him on the cheap. I totally understand. He v- brings a veteran presence to the running backs. But as you said, it has created some some issues as far as running back depth. Bo Scarborough goes to the injured re- reserve. As you say, Huntley gets snatched off. I think they wanted him to go to the practice squad at the end of the day when they were waving him. I'm curious what it says about carry on Johnson, partly because I don't think Adrian Peterson's happy with being a third down back. He wasn't happy with being a third down back in places he went. Like I remember him, you know, dogging the sideline coaches with uh, with the Saints about how many carries he was getting. So I think that will impact how much. I, I'm not saying he's going to jump up and take you know the lion's share. It's not going to be the AD all day of old where you give him the ball all freaking day. But he, I think he will see more snaps than I think some people are are. Um, are in anticipating. I don't see him like only 10 a game or whatever, maybe a little more than that. Uh, I think it's there to try to shore up a backfield, which again, like now that I know that Bo Scarborough is injured, it, 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 it puts some, some light on it, but it will take away from carry on Johnson. But look, they just, it, it, 
he fits what they want to do. They want to get a run game inside the tackles. They want to play this kind of big man, tough man football out there that uh, Patricia seems in love with. Then he makes Daryl Bevel try to try to uh, concoct and scheme every week. So it fits. I just I think that this team, though, uh, could probably stand for some ideological diversity. And I I think you get that with Swift. I don't. But Adrian Peterson is definitely emblematic uh, to this axiom that they want to go of, of like getting straight down the tackles and just power game. You know what, Chris, like, it seems like there are some question marks there, obviously, with the running back situation. DeAndre Swift missed, you know, some amount of camp with a, a leg injury as well. But yes, he going did. to the passing offense, it seems like things are a little bit more shored up on that side. When Matthew Stafford was in for those eight games, what was working well with that offense in those eight games that he played? Then what is the confidence that maybe that some of that can carry over into the 2020 NFL season? So I, the thing with Stafford is I know everyone for years ballyhooed him about his connection with Megatron. I will say this as someone who absolutely loved the 2016 season. I adore that 2016 season. It's the closest thing I will have to having joy and exciting football every week where just wild shenanigans happen in the fourth quarter. I, I study that a lot. And what I learned from that and what I learned from last season, too, when he did play is that Stafford really thrives when he has a lot of different receiving threats, especially something in kind of short coverage, too. I, there, there's going to be a lot of people, if they haven't already, discovering Kenny Galladay this year. And a lot of that is because Stafford likes to get him the ball because Kenny Galladay is very much so. I mean, Lions fans call him Baby Tron, which I think is demeaning and should be uh, cast to the pit. Along with Kenny G, I don't need to be re- reminded of of a guy who plays brass instruments. Uh, but he's also got you know veteran guys like Amendola. He's got Marvin Jones, who was good last year, who's been pretty damn good. People just realize it's Marvin Jones. <laughs> And he's got, you know, other other threats there. Maybe TJ Hawkinson takes another step. But one of the things Stafford does so well is that he's he's really maybe I'm used to him from his earlier years. We didn't really protect the ball. He does protect it pretty well now. Uh, he doesn't make those weird throws where you see him fumbling it away as much. He's very accurate when he's on his game. I've seen him thrown some ridiculous windows to players before. And he has receivers that really help him get that job done. I just think sometimes the offensive scheme takes the ball out of his hand when he doesn't need to, but when he does have an offensive scheme and he does have pieces around him, I, this guy's got more fourth quarter comebacks in the books than Aaron Rodgers. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Again, you won't see that on ESPN. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers is the golden child, and everyone loves an Aaron Rodgers comeback. And oh my God, did you see that Hail Mary he threw against the Lions? Oh my God, I I hate myself every time I see that. But (laughs) Stafford can engineer 
plays. Like I get it. Sometimes the defense just not, not every offense is going to go out there and convert every third, third down you can. But when he, when he's given enough time and you put the pressure on him, he's an amazing player under pressure. When you tell him you've got only X minutes to get this drive done, he's like, okay. And then he goes and does it. I, I think he's going to be up for comeback player of the year. I would even say maybe up for MVP in this league. And I'm not being a lion. I, I need Bears fans to realize this. I'm not being a Bears fan here. I consider myself objective. I work in national talk radio as well. I try like hell to, I know it says on SB Nation fan journalists. We're not fan journalists. We try like hell to cover this team fairly. And I say this sincerely. And you can ask Nate Burleson, who works for NFL Network too he's going to get some MVP votes if he plays a whole season like he did 2019. You're talking about, you know, Kenny Galladay, uh, Mar- you know, Marvin Jones. You have Marvin Hall there, too, which is a speedster that we saw in training camp last year. But you didn't mention tight end uh, TJ Hawkinson. He had an up-and-down rookie season, most uh, like every most uh, rookie tight end there. But what kind of year are you and Lions fans expecting from him? I heard some work that he uh, word that he was putting in some work with uh, George Kittle this offseason, which I don't like hearing that. <laughs> Iowa Iowa tight ends seem to stick together like um, like a flock of goals or a uh, some some sort of lump of meat that gets stuck in your throat. I feel <laughs> like. Uh, listen, this is this is a rough topic. If mostly because Lions fans are very. Uh, what's the word? They're very battered from the idea of first round tight ends failing them in various ways. Just look at how they get an Eric Ebron's like Eric Ebron's two teams removed and people still batter him for whatever reason. I don't understand it. It's weird and cruel. But the fact that he was taken eighth overall in 2019, that's going to stick with him. And I don't think you can really hide and just remain a defensive tight end in that regard. You have to go out there and make some plays, especially when you got a guy like Stafford throwing to you. Uh, I think he knows that. I think there was this kind of anticipation that like maybe unlike tight ends, as you say, tight ends, they start a bit slow in the NFL. They're like cornerbacks in that regard. They take some time to adjust the NFL and Hawkinson was definitely doing more uh, pass protection and run protection than he was anything than actual receiving last year. I, he had like what two touchdowns on the year. He had like I think three hundred sixty yards. So it wasn't like he was a ghost, but still, this was a guy you got in eighth overall. I hate to keep bringing up his draft position, but Lions fans put. I mean, the Lions did put draft capital into into Hawkinson. That that needs to pay off. So I think this year maybe expect him to see him he wants to maybe try to have a larger role in the offense but who knows with the Lions sometimes I think Daryl Bevel he he fits what Daryl Bevel likes the offensive coordinator for the Lions so I think he will get an expanded role I just I'm curious a how expanded it's going to be and b if they stick with it if he starts to hit the rough sledding but i will tell you what's not going to happen he's not going to get beat out and receiving among tight ends by like jesse james he is the best tight end that the lions have by far and uh i think he needs to uh play like that what are your thoughts on that revamped right side of the offensive line no rick uh wagner no graham glasgow I brought in a Vitae, brought in a Jonah Jackson there in the third round rookie uh, at right guard. Looks like he's starting there. What are your thoughts there on that revamped right side of the offensive line? You think it's going to be an improvement from last year? I mean, you don't have any preseason to build chemistry. 
I know you haven't been able to see it, but just what's your gut telling you in terms of that offensive line? Well, my gut doesn't speak much on it because I'm going to let you guys and your fans in on a secret. And I know people like probably listen to this expecting to get like, you know, a, a really informed, a really like analytical mind, just a, a, a Sherlock Holmes of each football team. I am an idiot when it comes to offensive line play. I am a damn idiot. And I let everyone know every chance I get that I am an idiot in that regard. I, I, I trust the offensive linemen that I speak to. I trust people who say that they know what they uh, what they're talking about when it comes to offensive line. But me, I am I, I'm I'm I, I like numbers. I, I like watching things explode. Offensive linemen, like I, I appreciate what you do. I'm a man of the work and people. I come from you know my mother's a a, a carpenter. Like, but I uh, it's a little above my head sometimes. That said, though, I kind of like what they did. But the Lions always. Th- this is going to be a funny year, right? Because when you have no preseason like this and you have kind of shortened training camp, the first thing that suffers is going to be the offensive line. The second thing that's going to be suffering is the defensive backfield. So we were talking about this on one of our last podcasts at Pride of Detroit that this is going to be a rough year uh, for the offensive line just to get going. September is going to be really up and down. We're going to see some edge rushers who are really going to eat a little bit to start the season because offensive lines do take time to gel. I think the Lions did upgrade their personnel on that right side. Maybe not as much as they had hoped, but it should shore things up. But I, you know, they were doing offensive line rotations for a while in 2019. You're scratching your head. It's like, what's going on here? What are they going to put it together at some point? And, you know, by the time I think they did, Stafford was out. So it didn't really matter. But I think that you will see some of the rotations maybe continue in 2020. But if nothing else, it's going to look janky out of the gate. But granted, it is, it's going to be janky for everyone. It just might be more so for the Lions sometimes because they did have to. It, it is a bunch of guys who are brand new to working with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, I just had one last question about um, more of this offense and particularly the wider receivers. I know Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, they finished number three and number four in contested catches. And, you know, obviously that's a good thing for Matthew Stafford, good thing for that offense. Do you think something like that where these receivers are giving Stafford more of an opportunity to complete those passes, is something like that sustainable where, you know, they are having a high rate in making these contested catches happen, but is that sustainable in this offense uh, going forward in 2020? Would you rather see that number maybe down, just have it be something to where the wide receivers are getting more separation, or what is it about, I guess, that particular statistic, and what are your thoughts about it, I think? That speaks to just who those guys are at the end of the day. Kenny Galladay is not a super speedster. Marvin Jones, like those are two guys that you just listed there who that's their shtick is they use their bodies to get up above people, much like Megatron did. Megatron, Calvin Johnson, he just used his size to bully you. It's what LeBron James did for a very long time in the NBA. When you are that big and that tall, you use the asset that you are given, and that is you just go up over someone and you remind them that you are Kenny Galladay and you are, I believe, what, 6'4"? Like, you're, you're a damn basketball player. You go out there and remind them of that right now. You do that right now. You can get smaller guys who are speedsters. You can get guys who are really fast. That's not who, that's not who Johnson and, and Jones are. They're just they're big guys, and they like to prove that they're big at every chance. I think the question is, is it su- sustainable? I think so. 
I think so, especially in an age where we are going a, a little smaller. In it, cornerbacks are smaller and faster, and you do have to bully them a little bit if you want to make those catches. I think it's just it's a play style at the end of the day, and I think that Stafford and his receivers have adapted well to that play style. I think that's what they 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 know that they're just not going to get that separation sometimes. So the best and that's part of this arms race in the NFL. They've gone faster on cornerbacks. So what do you got to do with your with your wide receivers? You got to get bigger. You got to you got to uh, you got to out muscle ball them. You got to bully them on the on the on the school playground. And I think the Lions are set up to do that. Chris, to wrap up the conversation here on that Lions offense, curious your thoughts on what kind of identity they're going to have this season. I talked, uh, you're mentioning that Matthew Stafford's going to be their strength this passing game, but we've also talked about them really still trying to hammer in that running attack if it's working or not. What kind of identity do you envision the Lions having for better or for worse? I mean, it's the vision that Patricia's been trying to, Matt Patricia's been trying to pound home for well near three years now that this is going to be a defense this is going to be a defense oriented team it's going to be a run a pound and ground team it's going to throw the football a little bit but you're going to go to your run game first you're going to you're going to lean on your defense and honestly i need them to wake up a little bit uh this this Lions defense and i know again stafford was out you really can't you you're asking the defense to stand on its head when it's david blau out there under center for you but they were one of the worst ranked defenses last year uh i don't think their their linebackers are set still there's huge questions on jared davis still uh this backfield is going to have to figure out a life without darius slay which is a huge loss for the Lions. I don't care what anyone says. You don't lose a cornerback like that. And, I mean, you draft Okuda, sh- uh, sure. But, again, first-year first cornerbacks take some time to get into this league. I think they're going to try to stick with that identity out of the gate. They're going to try to be a tough t- – they're going to try to be what Patricia envisions a tough team to be, is that they're going to invest in the run game, and that's going to cost them some possessions sometimes because I don't think the run game is going to be really set out of the out of the gate for various reasons we've talked about, be it offensive lines not really set up between edge rushers, going to be stronger this year, between the Lions just not sure what to do with their run game uh, – I mean, they got Adrian Peterson, but again, this is Adrian Peterson at, you know, on the wrong side of his 30s here. And they, they've got a defense who, I, I go back and forth with this with my co-host, Jeremy Reisman, who's technically our fearless leader. But we, you know, it we're, we're various degrees of confident in the backfield and the and the defensive line, but then we're just looking at the linebackers like, we really can't help you here. Uh, they're they're going to try to stick to this identity, though. They're they're going to stick to this identity until finally someone throws up their hands and says, "All right, let's just see what Stafford can do." And I think at that point they'll be free a little bit. But you know, as as I saw in 2019, even when they don't have the pieces, they'll try to go into the day thinking this is what we want the, to do, and then it just goes from there. Yeah, I, I get you, Chris. Um, now kind of moving over to the defense and like the identity there. I know the, the Lions don't like to blitz very often. That's just not what they do. They don't have. They didn't have a lot of sacks last season. I guess what is just your confidence in this team's pass rush? Do they have the personnel in 2020 to apply pressure on the quarterback? No. 
Next question. Um, no, uh, <laughs> listen, I that that wasn't the, like they they built that defensive line to stop the run last year. I don't get it. Not in this division. Like I get it. You like, hey, Dalvin Cook's over there. That's cool. But with respect to the Bears' backfield, I don't. Uh, they're they're not the multi-headed hydra. I fear. Like Tariq Cohen's fine, but he's not a feature back, and I don't trust Montgomery at all. So like cool whatever but and and you know green bay's got a decent run game and everything but we we've known for a while there's more value in going after the pass after after the guy under center than it is going after running back sometimes so i don't they built a lot of this front seven to deal with the run and the guys they have gotten for pass rushes haven't panned out. So they put a lot of pressure last year on the defensive backfield to be the one to to really resolve these these uh, these shortcomings. They, they leaned on their cornerbacks and their safeties to just break up passes, to make plays. And I think maybe this year they're trying to go for a little more balanced, but... I don't know where that's going to be right now. I have to kind of have to see where the defensive line rotations are going to come in. I really like Okwara. Uh, I was going to say Okwara, but now I realize I have to remember that I'm talking about the little brother, Julian, both to, from Notre Dame. So that makes it even more confusing. But, you know, I, I like, you know what? I'll just say it. I like both the Okwara brothers, really, to try to help out in that regard. Um, I mean, maybe Trey Flowers steps a little bit in pass rush, but I don't really think of him as a pass rushing machine. So they're they're going to it's going to be some struggles to the the opposing quarterback's going to spend a lot of time standing upright is what I'm going to say, and uh, I don't like that. Again, though, maybe maybe the our preseasonless season kind of changes things a little bit. Sure, and you've talked about it. This defense, there's a lot of new faces, especially in that secondary. No Darius Slay brought in a Desmond Trufant, drafted Nakuda. In your opinion, has that secondary been been downgraded? Is it maybe a slight upgrade? Is it a push? Uh, you didn't seem overly confident when you're just talking about it yourself, but I still kind of want to ask the question. So I think so that it's 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 a it's a interesting question because I think when you lose Darius Slay, you lose a huge playmaker. Big play slay, you've lost him. But at the same time, I think you've gotten broader, if that's a better way to think about it. Like, I, I mean, okay, Trufant's whatever. Like, he's 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 decent. Um, I don't know who's going to be starting opposite him sometimes. I think Orari, Imani Orarie, maybe you'll... Maybe you- How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. We'll see some rookie play out of Jeff Okuda. I mean, he definitely seems ready for it. That's why they drafted him so damn high. Uh, probably see some Justin Coleman in there as well in that rotation. And I think the safeties did get a little more interesting. I think Tracy Walker is one of their best players in that backfield right there. Uh, and Deron Harmon has shown himself to be a, a team leader, especially with the uh, social justice messaging when the Lions kind of uh, – 
you know, decided to stop practice a couple Tuesdays ago, Deron Harmon was the first one to speak, and I think that kind of speaks to what the what the locker room thinks of Deron Harmon. He's been he was a very interesting pickup, uh, you know, this off season, and he's he's kind of proven that he, you know he's he's hungry to be out there. So they've got options in that defensive backfield now. I just don't think they've replaced anyone that can really just wow you with insane interceptions and really turn the tables like Darius Slay could when he w- when Darius Slay was at the height of his powers. You know what, Chris? I have a question, pretty general here. Um, I think everyone knows by now, heading into week one, Trubisky is a starter, and his success against the Lions. Um, great passer rating, averages about three touchdown passes in his last three games. What makes you believe that maybe Detroit will have a different you know, result again with this week, this matchup in 2020 against Trubisky? Or are you anticipating kind of the same things that we've seen from Trubisky against Detroit. He has obviously doesn't have success against a lot of other teams in the league, but it seems like <laughs> Detroit is somebody that he knows what to do and where to throw the passes at least. Yeah, maybe we're putting the video game on easy mode here when, when Trubisky plays. Maybe it's just the <laughs> scheme that he likes to go up against. Um, the one thing that does give me confidence about uh, as going into this against Trubisky, probably more than it should right now, is the fact that I think your coach, that the Bears coach, Matt Nagy, uh, I think I know enough about his, him right now to say that once he gets in the middle of, the, of fording that river and he doesn't like the ox, he's going to try to change the damn ox and it's going to drown him. Uh, I, I don't know if maybe he gets off to a bad start and all of a sudden Nagy suddenly like panics a little bit and reaches for whatever is in the back pocket that he's got uh, just to make sure because I haven't I've been working this entire week and I haven't caught up with all the roster stuff. Nick Foles is no is not on your and no Nick Foles is on the roster correct. Yes. I just want yeah. to make sure. That, okay, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I know I should be more prepared for this, but I've been working an ungodly. I I've been sleeping during the day. I have to sleep during the day to do my <laughs> yeah. other job. I I work from like 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. on the weekends. So like I've been in a bit of a time warp. Someone hands me a podcast and it's like, here, edit this. I'm like, cool. I'll join you for the next one. Uh, no, I I think I think. F- like the fact that we saw this really bizarre activity from Nagy, which is up there with him with his obsession about uh, kickers, is is going to hurt a little bit. Is that Trubisky is going to try to maybe prove him, try to be out here to prove himself to start this year, and it just it 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 could lead to some overconfidence. It could lead to some him trying to put the ball where he probably shouldn't because he's got to prove himself out there. I'm playing some mind games right now, but it's what I have right now. <laughs> and I think at, at this point, like people have more tape on Trubisky and there's nowhere left for him to hide right now. He, he is who, uh, to, to quote a very famous person who, who bagged on the bears before that he is who he thought he was <laughs> like, he can't hide from the league anymore. People keep waiting for this metamorphosis of him like some some damn Kafka type of stuff. It's not I don't think it's going to happen with Trubisky. I'm sorry if you're slappies out there, but the sooner we rip this band-aid off for the Bears, the the, the less I have to hear it from my one Bears friend from who I went to school with. Like I I don't want to hear this anymore. It's like rip the band-aid off already. You know what he is. You you screwed up. You let you let Patrick Mahomes go away. Who cares? But like 
it's it's time it's time to start thinking about what comes after Trubisky, and it, it's time to just admit to yourself that, you know, it's you're not as young and spry as you used to be out here, and just. I don't know. Maybe he'll have a good game against the Lions, as you say he always does. But at the same time, if I was a Bears fan, I'd be worried about having a good game for uh, uh, having a good game against the Lions because at some point you just got to come to terms with what you have, and what you have in Mitch Trubisky is not someone who is going to get you to the mountaintop. It's going to remain the Bears lean on their defense, and the offense remains a damn black hole. Fingers yep. crossed that's not the case this year, and we'll find out <laughs> here as soon as possible. And that's for Nick and I to worry about. Getting back to you, with that Lions defense, what do you expect to be the strength, and what do you expect to be perhaps an Achilles heel? Oh, uh, I, I mean, I just see it as average right now, to be honest, at best. Like, they're not going to really do anything special right now. They don't have, as I said, like, they're not, they don't have a good pass rusher out there. Uh, they don't have a name that will really get to the quarterback and make Sports Center at night. I don't know who still watches Sports Center, but I'm assuming some people do. Maybe you like Scott Van Pelt. I don't know. Uh, I also like they'll they'll eat up runs pretty well, but other than that, like there is no specialty to this defense. Uh, they're they're going to play everything at best in a moderately competent form. I had someone the other day tell me the Lions basically want to be uh, the 49ers or the Tennessee Titans, where it's like you look at their defense and it's 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 competent. It's competent and it keeps you in games and it makes some plays now and then, but it basically shuts down the other team enough in that your offense then just starts to roll a little bit. But that's that's kind of the blueprint they've wanted, and the 49ers and the Titans have kind of beat, beat it to them. Now, if the Lions ever pull it off, they'll pull it off with a much better quarterback than either of those teams have, but they don't have the personnel to really pull that off. Maybe maybe it gels together in third year of, of Matt Patricia. I, I've seen crazier things happen, but right now all it is is like, look, this defense I think fi- finished like something like 31st in some advanced statistics out there last year. Like, all it can really do is try to look at all of its component parts and say, we just got to get better at doing everything. And I think they're, they're, that's what they're aiming for. It's, it's going to be, a, if, if it reaches what they want it to be, it's going to be jack-of-all-trades, master of, of nothing. Now, real quick, uh, Chris, uh, looking at all three phases, offense, defense, special teams, uh, we've talked about a lot so far, but are there some names, maybe some smaller ones that Bears fans may not have heard of yet that we should watch out for on Sunday? Well, I'm sure you've heard of Kenny Galladay by now, um, de- mm-hmm. de- depending on who. I've, I've definitely heard that from people who I know who play uh, <laughs> fantasy football enough to know that. Uh, we know DeAndre Swift. You should know Quintus Cephas, though. Uh, we, I was talking a lot about the wide receivers there. Quintez is definitely uh, someone that I don't think, you know, he was drafted in the fifth round. I, I believe he's making that final roster. He's down on that. He, he, he might see some time maybe in the slot he, or change of pace. Uh, wide receiver he's going to be someone to really keep an eye on there and I'm just making sure I didn't miss a cut from again from me being uh, completely asleep here but I am pretty sure I think I saw him on your roster earlier he is on the roster he is on the roster I was just double checking here because it's getting hot in this apartment again and I'm starting to sweat out but I mean he's I people say he's going to be a particular playmaker for this offense and I think if he's got good chemistry with with uh 
with Stafford that's going to happen. Uh, going back to the offensive line, I know some people have high hopes for Jonah Jackson. Uh, again, if offensive line is your type of play, uh, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out what to do with John Pinasini, other than the fact that I have someone who joins our Twitch chat every day and asks me to say his name as if it's some sort of foul joke. I don't understand what they're trying to go for, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I think I, I think I hit on the I, I mean, I hit on Deron Harmon before. That's a name to look out for. And uh, maybe you've heard of Mamani or Warrior, But other than that, like, yeah, I, I would say Quintus Cephas leads that that bunch. And then after that, I would probably say to look up some of these names in the cornerbacks just because there's going to be a lot of guys who are looking to prove themselves in the shadow of Darius Slay. Oh, and uh, Tracy, Tracy Walker, of course. Of course, Tracy Walker. How could we not have an episode without mentioning Tracy Walker real quick? Now, Chris, uh, I have one final question. It's a two-parter. It's how I end every Meet the Opponent episode. Uh, the first part of this one is maybe oh, it's a hard on, one. Real quick. Um, yeah, go for it. I forgot one more name. I forgot one more name, and uh, you should be aware of him. He is the veteran of veteran. He is still playing at age 39. He is the gray fox of the league. He is probably the most powerful asset the Detroit Lions have. He is our he is our trump card. You're not ready for him. That is 39-year-old long snapper Don Muleback. The man is unkillable. Uh, he is probably the best long snapper in the league. I don't have the stats to back it up. No one does. No one's tracking long snappers. If you do, you're a degenerate, and I want nothing to do with you. But... Don Muleback, the mule, the mule dozer. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're finished. <laughs> Sorry, go, go on with the regularly scheduled program. <laughs> there we go. Back to our originally scheduled programming. Chris, why are the Lions going to win Sunday? Why is a question that should be reserved for philosophers, for metaphysicists, for people smarter than me, uh, people who look up to the stars, wonder their, their orbits, uh, wonder about things like humors and phlegm and outdated. How about uh, how do the Lions win on Sunday? I'll change it very for you. Cu- well as I as I like now you've stumbled into my favorite question because I have a favorite answer for this. Very carefully. Uh, to answer it seriously though, <laughs> they lean on Matthew Stafford. That's all it is. And that's probably what I mean when I every time I say very carefully, regardless of how I answer that question. Uh they lean on Stafford. They let Stafford prove all this fire he's been building up, coming back on it. Uh, the defense looks competent enough to, that they don't uh, let the Bears keep pace, and Stafford just balls out. That's their that's their that that should be that should be their 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 plan every game. It sounds like it, at least uh, for you. Uh, going back to Dennis Green, since you mentioned him, uh, the inverse is, uh, of course, pretty simple. How do they let the Bears off the hook? Once again, very carefully. Um, you let Trubisky uh, prove that, once again, he seems to be only able to beat you and only you, and thus earn him in the annals of history along with, uh, oh, my God, my head is frying right now from the heat. What's, I'm trying to remember the name of the Packers quarterback who beat the Lions, and he got all those contracts. Uh, Matt Flynn. You, you proved that go. he is like a one-dimensional, anti-Lions Matt Flynn-type weapon. <laughs> and you just and the defense, which you guys have an amazing defense in Chicago, then goes and tears apart an offensive line who's still trying to gel together, puts pressure on Stafford, and sacks him a few times, and 
Matt Patricia starts betting against himself and trying to do this this weird run game thing, and just it all it all goes to very scary and dark places after that. Well, there we go, Chris. Uh, on behalf of Nick and myself, I want to thank you so much for hopping on for this segment this week, helping us meet our week one opponent, the Detroit Lions. Again, if you want to check out Chris's podcast, it's the Pride of Detroit podcast, uh, the SB Nation Detroit Lions podcast out there. But Chris, thank you so much, man. Thank you guys for being you. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Chris. Obviously, he he has a personality. He brings a little bit more to the table when it comes to that. And he had a lot of interesting things to say about the Lions. And Nick, I'm just curious, is there anything that he said that you took away from that conversation? Yeah, I think for for Chris and what he's talking about with the the Detroit Lions wide receivers, they're going to play to that strength, which is making those contested catches and that not necessarily isn't something that they can sustain throughout a, a, a season, but it's just something that they're going to do because that's exactly what those wide receivers are good at. So I guess just hearing that from Chris and acknowledging that, hey, look, this is exactly how the Detroit Lions wide receivers, Galladay and Marvin Jones are going to beat you. So the Bears better be prepared. And Jalen Johnson, like we talked about earlier, he's going to get the start. So he's got to be prepared to go up, you know, high point the football and Hopefully get a deflected pass and maybe cause an interception or two. Who knows? But, yeah, that's going to be, I think, a key point, and especially when we talk about it later in the week. I think, you know, Chris, for a Lions fan, he was drinking a little bit more of the Kool-Aid than perhaps our first guest, Matt. But overall, they did have some very similar perspectives, uh, not really trusting this defense, which, I mean, admittedly looking at it last year would be hard to do, and also having – uh, concerns for that right side of the offensive line. Again, that was something that I took away. Uh, Jackson, Donah Jackson going up against Akeem Hicks, uh, their new right tackle going up against Khalil Mack at the same time. I mean, that's an area that I'm interested in perhaps exploiting on Sunday. But it was interesting to see, you know, two different perspectives, but a lot of the same consensus in terms of the bigger takeaways there. But anything from Chris or anything from Matt or just anything about Meet the Lions. I'm excited to have our first Meet the Opponent episode now you know, underneath us, and I'm excited to kind of get back into this flow throughout this season because I know this is one of those weekly segments that our listeners really enjoy. You know, I really enjoy it too, Will, just because we do get you know better insight from people that really do cover this team, obviously. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. We're familiar with the Detroit Lions. We see them twice a year, but it's always nice to hear from guys that are covering the, the team just writing about them, talking about them over radio, having podcasts like we do. So I feel a lot better. I know what the Detroit Lions are going to bring on Sunday. Now, the Bear, obviously, the Bears do too. So it'll all have to come down to see if they can exploit those matchups like you were just talking about, Will, and you know, hopefully start off the season with the early W. I'd be interested to see if they do change up that defensive scheme just a little bit because Mitchell has had good success against them. I think even Anthony Miller earlier today told the media that they've had good success because they like how Detroit plays defense and they do a good job of taking advantage of it. There is a new DC in town, so I'm sure there will be some wrinkles that we haven't seen before that we don't even know what they could be, and we'll have to wait to Sunday to find out. Just my 
gut feeling as of right now, again, it's only Tuesday, things could change, but I'd expect them to throw us a wrinkle or two that we wouldn't be expecting um, as well. But all right, Nick, I'm going to call this an episode up next. It's going to be our first official game preview of the year. It's a revamp format. Nick and I took some time over last weekend to kind of sit down and think, how can we make our preview shows better? And I thought we did a good job in the past of giving you all the information heading into kickoff, but we're trying to take it, add some extra perspective, and just make it a little bit more fun along the way, but keeping all that same insight and analysis that you've come to expect from us. Any uh, spoiler alerts or anything you wanted to mention about our revamp format, Nick, or anything about this game preview that you're looking forward to? I mean, I think I'm just looking forward to implementing it and seeing how this goes, you know, for the first one of the year and hopefully, and you know what, we will learn from it and maybe even build upon it too. But we like what we did in our meeting that, what, it was last Saturday where we kind of mm-hmm. talked about it. See, we saw what we did good last year. I think we just made things better for the overall show, and this is also going to be implemented in the post game. So we looked at that as well. So we're just excited to really talk Bears football in a different format, still the same great product that you guys are all accustomed to. But yeah, I'm excited to you know unveil that on Thursday. Speaking of unveiling, I'm excited for our mock drafts tonight. We have five leagues that we decided to open here this year, the four standard leagues that we usually do. And we open up a bonus league because there are just so much uh, interest in us having more fantasy leagues, which is awesome to see. Usually in years past, I would throw this on Twitter, Facebook, and just give it out there on social media. But this year, just letting everyone know who's listening still, it was straight up podcast. Like we didn't put this on Twitter, we didn't put this on Facebook. Only people who are listening to our show and signed up for any of the leagues or the interest, you got in. Uh, so I just want to let you know that we wanted to take care of you, the listeners, first. And I was overwhelmed a little bit in a great way. Uh, just all the interest that kind of came in real fast after that last episode dropped. And I know I have some drafts coming up here later on tonight. Nick, you're taking care of a couple leagues as well. And I know people are very excited to play fantasy football with us. I'm looking forward to giving out a couple of those championship t-shirts here at the end of the season. I won one last year. Hopefully, Nick, you can win one because even though we're playing fantasy football and we want to give the winner shirts, we're not going to hold back any of our punches either, right? Absolutely not. I want one of those championship shirts. It'll look good. You know, we can wear it on the podcast too, but like you said, we are definitely going to be competitive in these leagues and we're wishing the best for all of our listeners, but we're, we're coming too. We're, we're coming for you, so watch out. But that's going to do it for this episode. If you haven't yet, uh, leave a rating review on Apple Podcasts. So we're at 603. Don't forget, every time we reach a century mark, which we have a while to go, but you can help us get there, uh, we like to give out a free Chicago Bears jersey of your choice to show our appreciation for you. Uh, those reviews help us find or get found by more Chicago Bears fans, helps us land some sponsorships, and, of course, uh, any of that support just goes a long way for two Chicago Bears fans talking Bears football. Right back to you. So up next, like we said, it'll be that revamped game preview right after Nick gets back home from puppy class, right, with Brady? Yep, that's that's the plan. All right, so that'll be what's coming up around the corner. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? 
plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. <laughs> 